Well, if you can believe it, almost nearly a year ago, we started our sermon series through the Gospel of Mark. And this morning, we are bringing that series to a close. Now, if you're paying attention, you see that we are in Mark 14 today. You might be wondering, did anybody tell Paul there's two more chapters? And I get that. I feel that same tension, but we actually talked about the death and resurrection of Jesus from Mark in the book Isaiah during this last spring during Holy Week. And the truth is, we could be in Mark for a whole other year, and it would be great. We're so excited about where the Lord is leading us for our sermon series this fall. So next week, Mark will be with us, and he's going to do two sermons on the joy that we can have in Jesus. And then Labor Day weekend, I will begin to set the stage for the series that we have for the fall. And you're asking, well, what is that series? Well, you're just going to have to come Labor Day weekend and join us for worship to find out. And so would you please stand now for reading God's word. This is Mark, Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 43. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came one of the 12 and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying the one I will kiss is the man seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, rabbi, and he kissed him and they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by, by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. The very first of Martin Luther's 95 theses says this, that when our Lord and master Jesus Christ said repent, he meant that the entire Christian life should be one of repentance. From our own confession, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that repentance is a saving grace. And as we have studied the gospel of Mark together, did you know that the very first words of Jesus in the gospel of Mark say this, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, when you and I think of repentance, so often we think of judgment and we think of condemnation. We think of guilt and we think of shame. But what I want you to see this morning is that repentance is a saving grace. And if repentance is a saving grace, then it does not lead to condemnation. But true repentance leads to salvation. It leads to life. And it leads to our greatest joy. One of the greatest examples in the Bible of what repentance is and what it isn't is the story of Judas and Peter. What we're looking at this morning together is the collision point between the sin of humanity and salvation through Jesus. 
We're looking at the sin of two men, Judas and Peter, and their betrayal of their master, their teacher, and their friend. Their betrayal of their savior. And we're asking a very difficult question. What's the difference? What's the difference between these two men, Judas and Peter, who in this most critical moment, this critical hour of Jesus's life, that eventually sends him to the cross, at this moment, both men betrayed Jesus. So what's the difference? Why is Judas seen as one of the greatest villains in all of human history? And why is Peter seen as one of the greatest heroes of the church of Jesus Christ? This morning, as we look at their story, I want you to see your own story. The story of all of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, who maybe claim to be skeptics. I want you to see that repentance, repentance is an invitation to joy in Christ. And the only difference between Judas and Peter is the grace of repentance. So the first thing I want you to know, I want you to know that sin is turning your back on Jesus. That's what it is. Sin is betrayal. I want you to look with me at Mark 14, verse 43. You can find it in your Bible, but I do want to tell you, we are going to be all over the Gospels this morning. So if you have a Bible, please get it out, or you can take the Blue Pew Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible that is yours to keep, please take it with you, that you would have the Word of God. This is Mark 14, verse 43. You can turn there or follow along. Mark tells us immediately, while he was still speaking, so this is following the upper room, They've gone into the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has prayed and he is now speaking. And now Judas, one of the 12, one of the disciples, Judas came with him, a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. So I want you to imagine the scene. Jesus has just shared this intimate moment with his disciples in the upper room. He has prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. He knows what is to come. And now here's Judas. Judas has come with a, a mob and they have weapons and they've come for Jesus. And what I want to put in context for you is that you have to remember and you cannot forget that Judas was one of the 12 disciples. Judas, this great villain, was there. He was there and saw Jesus preach and saw Jesus work miracles. He was one of the original 12. And so what we're wrestling with this morning is what would cause a man to see all that he would see in Jesus and hear everything that Jesus say, what would cause him to turn his back on Jesus? Now, there are few things in humanity worse than betrayal. Great Greek playwright Sophocles put it this way. He said, he who throws away a friend is as bad as throwing away his life. And that sentiment can be seen throughout human thought. I'll give you a few examples. Think about Brutus and Julius Caesar at two Brute. Think about Edmund and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or Gollum and the Lord of the Rings. And of course, who can forget Lando Calrissian 
in Empire Strikes Back, Robert the Bruce in Braveheart, or my personal favorite, Prince Hans of the Southern Isles in Frozen. We are captivated by the scandal of betrayal. And there is no betrayal in all of human history worse than Judas Iscariot. Whether you're a Christian this morning or not, whether you've heard much of Jesus or not, odds are you've heard about Judas. And you know that he betrayed Jesus. The question we have to wrestle with is why? What is it that led him to do that? And more than that, we have to wrestle with is Jesus knew. He knew. Not only did he know that night that Judas would betray him, but I want you to think about this. Jesus knew when he chose Judas to be one of his 12 disciples, he knew what would happen. He knew that Judas would betray him. And betray him he did. Look with me at 44. Mark 14, 44. Now the betrayer, so now Judas is given a name, a title. This will go down as who he is for all history. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. Not only did Judas betray Jesus, but he betrayed him with a kiss. A sign of friendship, a sign of closeness, a sign of intimacy. It's astonishing, really. It's scandalous. How could Judas do such a thing? How could he turn his back on Jesus? But what you might not realize is that they all did. All of them. When Jesus was crucified, they all ran away. Every one of them turned their back on Jesus. And if we're honest this morning, every one of us turns our back on Jesus too. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to go to Mark 14, verse 26. Earlier in the gospel of Mark, we're told that Jesus being with the disciples, they sung a hymn. When they went out on the Mount of Olives, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus told his disciples, you will all fall away. Yes, Judas is going to betray me with a kiss, but every one of you is going to fall away. I wonder after following Jesus for three years, if you heard Jesus tell you that, if you've given up everything to follow him for three years and he said, all of you are going to fall away, how would it make you feel? You might feel just like Peter. Because upon hearing that, this is what Peter said, verse 29. Peter said to Jesus, even though they fall away, I will not. I love that so much. (laughs) Peter's not just saying, hey, I'm not going to do that. What does he say? Look, I know these guys are kind of messed up, but that's not me. I know they're going to fall away, Jesus, but I will not fall away. How true is that of us? Always comparing ourselves to other people. Always saying, I'm different. I'm not like them. I'm the good kind of Christian. I would never fall away. That's Peter. Verse 30, Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, Peter, 
this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And this is Peter's response. He said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then they all said the same thing. Every one of them. Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And at that moment, you have to think, was that disingenuous? Were they just saying that? No, I think they probably really believed it. I think they thought, surely, though, I would, I would never do that. How, how, how true is that of us? How often do we think, I, I would never betray Jesus. I would never turn my back on him. I would never do that. And yet that's exactly what Jesus, or that's exactly what Peter did. Peter betrayed Jesus too. Mark 14, verse 66, it's after our passage this morning. We're told that Peter was below in the courtyard. And what you need to know is after Jesus was arrested, I love this, Peter followed him. He snuck his way into the courtyard of the high priest. And I think probably the reason why he did that is he was ready to go to war. John tells us he's the one that cut off the soldier's ear. He's ready to go to war. He snuck his way into the courtyard. He's ready to do battle. He's ready to defend Jesus. That's probably where his mindset is. And yet when push comes to shove, when he gets challenged, he crumbles. Verse 67, and Peter warming himself, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Not a soldier. She has no weapons and no power, but a servant girl comes to Peter. And she says, you were with Nazarene. You were with Jesus. But Peter denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out to the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And then three times, three times, Peter denies Jesus. He hears the rooster crows, and we're told that he broke down and wept. Three times, Peter betrayed Jesus. And you can say, well, is that as bad as what Judas did? This is the hour of his Savior's need. This is the hour that Jesus is being arrested and tried. And he buckles under pressure. So just like Judas, we have to ask, why? Even after Peter said, if I have to die with you, Jesus, I would never deny you. And yet that's exactly what he did. You and I are no different. But to recognize that we have to be honest with ourselves. And the truth is we don't like being honest about this. But every sin at its core is a betrayal. Betrayal of who we are made in God's image, what we've been created to be, and a betrayal of what God has done in sending his son Jesus to die and to rise again for the newness of life. And so every sin is a betrayal. It's turning our back on the cross and saying, I'm going to go another way. And so perhaps we don't deny him verbally, but maybe we deny him with the way that we live. Maybe you don't betray Jesus with a kiss, but maybe you betray him with the way that you kiss so many other false saviors and things in this world. I am no different. Just like Judas, just like Peter, there is sin that's deep at work in our hearts and it causes us 
to betray the one who loves us. And that's astonishing. It's scandalous. It's sin. Second thing I want you to know. I want you to know that repentance is more than turning away from sin. Did you hear me? Repentance is more than turning away from sin. In order for us to get the entire story of Judas and Peter, we have to go beyond just the gospel of Mark. We have to look at all four gospels. So that's what I want to do with you with the rest of our time. I want to start out in the gospel of Matthew. This is the end of Judas's story, and it is tragic. Matthew 27, verse 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Matthew 27, verse 3. We're told that when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. So I want you to notice two things. Judas, he saw what he did. He saw what his actions led to. That because he gave up Jesus, because he kissed him, because he led the mob to Jesus, Jesus was condemned. And then we're told he changed his mind. I want to tell you, the more I've studied this passage, the more that phrase haunts me. Because in essence, that's a simple definition of repentance. In the Greek, the word repentance is metanoia, and it just means to turn or to change your mind. And I think we have to be honest as we look at Judas and say, he really did change his mind. I think he saw what he did. He saw his sin for what it really was and what it led to, and I think he was filled with grief. I think he was filled with sorrow. I think he decided at that moment, I wish I had never done that. And he changed his mind. How often have you, after sin of any kind, felt regret, felt sorrow? This is where Judas is. He saw his sin for what it was, and it broke his heart. And what I want you to know this morning is that is the beginning of repentance. You cannot repent unless there is genuine grief and sorrow over sin. Unless your sin breaks your own heart, you cannot repent. And the only way for you to truly grieve your sin is to see it for what it is. That's what it took for Judas. But you see, when we think about sin as betrayal, it's easy for us to think of these big sins, right? Like what Judas did. But we can't stop there. We have to ask, what was the sin underneath the sin. Because Judas didn't just wake up one day and said, you know what, I think we're going to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. No, underneath that, what was at work? Greed. Fear of man. Fear for his own life. Selfishness. All of these things festering and stewing in his heart that led to this great sin of betrayal. For us to truly begin the act of repentance, we have to do the hard heart work of allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the sin underneath our sin and to call it for what it is. It's heinous and we should be grieved. That's where repentance begins, but it cannot be where it ends. Do you hear me? That cannot be where repentance ends. Because if all you do is simply have sorrow over your sin, that is regret, and it is different 
than repentance. Regret is a halfway kind of repentance. It is trying to turn from your sin on your own without turning, from the, turning to the only one who can save you from your sin, which is Jesus. Regret is not repentance. And this is what the Apostle Paul has to say about it. I want you to listen to this. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Paul said, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. And this is the tragic end to Judas's story. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that Judas, and seeing what he did and changing his mind, he did what any of us try to do when we have regret. He tried to make it right on his own. Matthew tells us, Matthew 27, verse 3, that Judas brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. He tried to cover his own tracks. He tried to cover his own sin. He tried to pay it back. And the question we all have to ask ourselves this morning is this, what are we trying to pay back? What is it in your life that you are trying to make up for that is actually driving every single thing that you do? That just like Judas, you are woefully regretful over things in your life. And so every day you're trying to push against that by paying it back somehow. And what is the currency that we use? Self-justification, self-righteousness, self-loathing, self-hiding, self-rule. All of these things lead to self-destruction. And so for Judas, trying to give the money back, the high priest said to him, what is that to us? See to it to yourself. We're told that Judas threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and he departed and he went and hanged himself. Why did G Judas hang himself? Because he had a worldly grief that produces death. A halfway repentance of only trying to clean up himself and to pay back for his own sin. Halfway repentance is dangerous. And what is just as tragic about Judas's death is that so many people think that this is what Christianity is. That Christianity is just us trying to be better. Coming to church on a Sunday morning like this and feeling guilty and leaving thinking, I I've got to make up for that. And those of you who are Christians this morning, if you feel that way, you feel condemned and shamed. And those of you who are not Christians, you see that and you think, that's nuts. But it's not Christianity. And it's not the gospel. The Apostle Paul tells us that it leads to death. So the last thing I want you to know, I want you to know this. That repentance is turning again to Jesus. Now I want to go to the Gospel of Luke. So go, if you have a Bible, Gospel of Luke, Luke 22, verse 31. This is the end of Peter's story. Judas had a halfway repentance of regret, trying to only turn from his sin on his own and make up for it himself, and it led to death. Peter's response is completely different. Luke 22, 31 this is what Jesus told Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. By the way, the you there is plural. 
Can't see that in the English, but in the Greek, it's plural. In other words, Satan demanded, he wanted to have all of you. (laughs) Satan demanded to have all of you disciples. And we know, we know that Satan entered Judas. Jesus told Peter, Satan demanded to have all of you, that he might sift all of you like wheat. Verse 32, but I prayed for you. That's singular. That's singular. Satan demanded to have all of you. And Jesus told Peter, but I prayed for you. I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Son of God, prayed for Peter. He prayed that after all that Peter would do in denying him and betraying him, that his faith would not fail. And what I want you to know this morning is that same Jesus now lives to intercede for you and me. And though we betray him every single day, he is praying that our faith would not fail. And now listen to this. Listen to what Jesus tells Peter. He says this. He says, when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. Not if, not on the occasion. Not Peter, I hope that you come back. But when. Peter, when you turn again, strengthen your your brothers. You see, because when the sovereign God of the universe prays for you, we have every confidence that that prayer will not fail. So Jesus knows not only is Peter going to deny him, but he also knows that Peter's going to come back because it's only because of the faithfulness and the sovereign mercy of Jesus that Peter knows the grace of repentance. The Gospel of John tells us of Peter's repentance. He doesn't try to deny what he did. He isn't consumed by himself and his own shame and his own grief. But no, after Jesus died on the cross and rose again in victory over sin and death, Jesus met Peter on a beach, the Sea of Galilee, same place where it all started. And there are three times Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Three times Peter denied Jesus and three times that Jesus then asked Peter, do you love me? And then after all of that, this is what Jesus said. Follow me. Like bookends in Peter's life. That was the first words he heard from Jesus. And there were some of the last while Jesus was on earth. In other words, Jesus is restoring Peter on a beach over breakfast. The only way that happens is because of the sovereign grace and mercy of God. Peter knew the grace of repentance. You can't just turn away from your sin on your own, but repentance, true repentance, is turning away from your sin and turning back to Jesus. And we have to really understand what true repentance is. We have to see that this is not a condemning, judgmental thing. But this is a gracious invitation from Jesus to come back to him. That because of his grace and because of his mercy, Jesus is saying, repent. Turn away from the sin that entangles you and is destroying your life and come back. And come back to me. 
And what I want us all to understand this morning, me at the front of the line, is that repentance must be a daily practice. If not every day, every hour, and every minute, because his mercies are new every morning. Martin Luther said repentance should be the thing that defines our life as Christians, that the entire Christian life should be one of continual repentance. Why? Because our sins are many. We need to confess and repent of our sins every minute, every hour of the day, but his mercy is more, and it is there for us, new every morning, every second. He has invited us to come back. Come back. And so this morning, you might be asking, well, how do I do that? Peter was there on a beach with Jesus. How, how is it that we then turn to Jesus? Well, he's given us everything we need to come back to him. He's given us his word. He's given us prayer. He's given us the church, the sacraments and fellowship of the saints. And he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, who now dwells in us, that we might live with the fullness of joy. And so, at the end of our series in the Gospel of Mark, we have to ask, how do we respond to the astonishing grace and mercy of Jesus? Well, just like Peter and Judas, so often we respond with betrayal. But now the question for us, how we respond to our sin. Will we be like Judas? Be stuck in a cycle of regret and shame and going back to sin over and over again? Will we hear the gracious invitation of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who says, repent. Turn from your sin and turn back to Jesus. Repent. Believe the gospel. And follow him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, would you give us gospel eyes this morning that would see repentance as a saving grace? We recognize that we have years and years of fear-mongering and preaching that would make us think that our sin is ours to pay for on our own. That somehow we have to clean ourselves up before we can come into your presence. But we know that the gospel teaches us that because you, Jesus, died for us on the cross and rose again, that we now come into your presence, not because we've cleaned ourselves up, but because you have cleaned us. And so we pray by the Spirit as we sing together of your great faithfulness and mercies that are new every morning as we leave this place, that repentance will become an invitation to us, that we would hear that gracious invitation and that we would delight with great joy in coming back to you again and again and again. Stir in us, move in us, we pray. Show us the wonder and astonishing grace of the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen.